Please always consult with your physicians prior to making any changes to your treatment plan. Music is courtesy of Ryan Hamner. Welcome to Living with Scanxiety, the cancer podcast, a podcast geared to help you navigate the pediatric cancer world. As a mother of a child who battled a soft tissue sarcoma for over a year, your host, Rosaria Kozar, understands and will help guide you through your journey. She brings the knowledge of experts, families, survivors, and other organizations tied to the pediatric cancer world to your doorstep. Her mission is to inform, support, and promote hope for you and your family. This is where hope lives. This is where hope thrives. Together as one. I can't cure the illness, but if I could make them forget about the illness for that little bit and for a parent to be able to see their child acting like that normal, healthy child that they knew before the illness was diagnosed and all that, it's just, it's priceless for the family and for the child themselves, you know, to feel like that. Hi, this is Rosaria and I'm with Josh Arye and he is more well-known than most for getting our kids on a different path of smiles and laughter and just having a good time all out of his own pocket. And he does this through exotic cars. So let's hear about it and let's see what he can offer your child. So welcome, Josh, to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you here. Can you tell me how this began? Uh, yeah, it started off, um, you know, because when I was younger, I happened to love exotic cars like Ferraris, Lamborghinis, and these kinds of things. I always had an interest in them. Um, I couldn't afford them when I was younger, but it was always something that I loved and wanted to have. Um, and then as I got older, I started becoming friendly with people that did own these cars, and they would let me borrow them from time to time, initially just to do errands and stuff for them. And then eventually just to take it home and enjoy for myself. And then one day I had an idea. I said, the same way that I loved these exotic cars when I was younger, there had to be some sick and underprivileged children that had that same desires I did to go in them and see them. And that's it. So I started calling up all different charities saying, hey, my name is Josh. Um, I don't own the cars, but I have access to almost any exotic car in the world. If ever you have a child that makes a wish or wants to go in it, let me know. And one day I got a call back that there was an eight-year-old child. Uh, battling stage four cancer and her dream was to go into a Lamborghini and I was like perfect I knew of someone that lived in Great Neck uh, in Long Island where I was from and um, they said you know I said can I please borrow the car and you know I told them the situation is like yeah borrow the car and this was like the defining moment that changed my entire life like until that moment, I wanted to be Bruce Wayne. I did not want to be Batman. You know, I wanted to be a multi-billionaire, the biggest car collection, most vacation homes, private jets, private yachts, like all that stuff. And, you know, that's what I was aspiring to have and be and all that. And then this child changed my life. And, you know, I'll tell you what it was like. They, the, the family knew I was coming. The child had no idea. And this was in between her chemo treatments. And, you know, they bring up this little, like, frail child. She's in a wheelchair. She's looking down at the ground. She's all sad. And she looks up and ironically, it's a color in my shirt. She's wearing a, um, she sees this bright yellow convertible Lamborghini parked in front of her house. And the child's entire face like lights up with like the biggest smile I've ever seen. And we get her into the car, put the top down, drive around for 15, 20 minutes. They get her back in the wheelchair. They bring her to the house. And as soon as she gets into the house, the mother starts hysterically crying. 
like nonstop bawling. And this was the first time I ever truly had a one-on-one interaction with a child that was that sick. So I looked at the mom and I said, look, if I did something or said something offensive, I didn't mean it. You know, I thought maybe somehow I was insensitive without even realizing, you know, you don't even notice. And she goes, no, she goes, you don't understand. She said, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer at the age of four. She's had over 20 surgeries. She got an infection which caused her to become partially paralyzed, which is why she's in the wheelchair. She said, this is the first time I've seen my daughter smile in four years since she was diagnosed with cancer. And for me at that moment, I said, if I could have such an impact with such a stupid thing, right? Like I'm still a huge car enthusiast, but at the end of the day, it's just a car. And I said, if I could have such a big impact in someone's life, right? The entire family's life, not just the child. Then I said, I want to volunteer and dedicate my life to doing this more often. And it kind of just started with that and then just continuously grew throughout the years until where I am today. It's been more than a decade. Wow. Yeah, it only takes that one time to really, uh, for a lot of people to get connected. And I know exactly where that mom's coming from because uh, when my son wanted, before he had passed, he really wanted to have Santa and that was silly, but just seeing the smile on his face um, was priceless. So I can only imagine how happy that mom was and that little girl and to have such an impression on you to do this and continue it. Uh, I have to ask you, when did you start dressing up as Batman for these kids? Yeah. So that actually happened uh, in 2015. Uh, So about six years ago, almost it was August of 2015 is when I became Batman. Um, And it was because I was inspired by a guy that I heard about that lived in Baltimore, uh, whose name was Lenny Robinson who was a guy that had a black Lamborghini dressed as Batman and he uh, got pulled over and the video went viral. And I thought it was such an amazing thing. This was in 2012. Um, And then in 2015, he was coming back from a late night visit and his car broke down on the highway and it was a black Lamborghini, black Batman costume, dark lit, you know, poorly lit area. Um, And he got out and unfortunately a car hit him and he died. Okay. And, um, you know, I never had the privilege to meet him. But, you know, I thought what he was doing was such an amazing thing. And I said, you know what? I didn't want his vision and mission to die with him. And that's when I decided to become Batman. And I said, you know, I never met him. But, you know, it was the the first time I truly heard of anyone else in the world using their exotic car for a greater purpose. Mm. And I was just inspired, even though I was already doing it, but I was inspired by that. And I said, you know what? I'm going to continue his vision and blend it with mine. So I still do the exotic cars and all that. Um, but for some of the younger children, I go dressed up as Batman or Robin or, you know, this uh, this coming Sunday is actually Mother's Day. And there's a child. She's about one and a half years old battling. She has brain tumors. Um, and her wish is to meet Minnie Mouse. Oh. You know, normally, I would get the female volunteers to come. But because it's Mother's Day, it's a little bit, you know, it's a tougher day. Um, so I had a Minnie Mouse costume made and I'm going from Batman to Minnie Mouse. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, good thing Minnie Mouse doesn't speak. <laughs> yeah, she's got a high squeaky voice or something. But uh, I mean, look, I might be able to get volunteers to come. It's not the biggest deal, but just in case, I'm like, I have it, and, you know. So, yeah. So that's uh, the plan. So we kind of just do whatever the kids need, because, like you said, like your son wanted to see Santa, and that's just you know what you're. That's what it's about. It's I can't cure the illness, but if I could make them forget about the illness for that little bit and for 
a parent to be able to see their child acting like that normal, healthy child that they knew before the illness was diagnosed and all that. It's just, it's priceless for the family and for the child themselves, you know, to feel like that, you know, I know what, you know, when someone's, let's say like when I'm home and I have the flu or whatever illness that you have, which isn't even life-threatening for most people. But when you have that, and then also you have like a glimpse of normalcy and you feel healthy for like an hour, it's just like, you're, you just feel completely different. So that's kind of what I try to do. It's, I can't cure what they're going through, but if I could make them, you know, find that light during that time of despair, like that's what it's mm -hmm. about, just to make them feel like a normal, healthy child during that time period when we're there visiting. And then, you know, so that's it. So I, I get it. That's so admirable. And you do this. How, how are you able to manage doing this and live a life? And then you also have uh, your volunteers. So just, <laughs> How does this whole thing come together? Yeah, so this pretty much is most of my life. Um, you know, it's grown through social media because let's say now I have like 115,000 followers. So the amount of requests and stuff that we get on a daily basis, like that social media in itself is like a full-time job. Um, and then just, you know, being able to be there for the families and reach out to them and all that. So this is my true passion. Like, this is what I want to do, right? Like people say, if you won the lottery, what would you want to do for the rest of your life? Like I want to volunteer every day forever. Like that's my dream. Like I don't care about now I do because I need to make more money, but like, I wouldn't care about making a penny more and just, that's it. So, you know, I decided to dedicate my life to doing exactly what I wanted to do as if I won the lottery. And then on the side, I just do some real estate and then I try to broker different deals and make commission. Um, and this way I could be out there, you know, living my dream and making a difference. And, you know, it's tough because there are some years like 2019, the first check that I earned was like the end of August, beginning of September, mm -hmm. you know, so it's not for everybody to have that, to be able to go nine months without earning a paycheck. But, you know, this is what I want to do. And I'm willing to cut back on quote unquote, certain luxuries to be able to do this. Um, and this is, you know, my true passion. Like there's certain things that you find in life that you truly excel at and that really makes you happy. And, you know, being there for other people and making them happy is really what, you know, makes me happy. And this is why I did, I dedicate my life to it. Like I could be out working for, you know, larger real estate firms or spending more time doing due diligence to try to acquire new, you know, buildings or, you know, long-term investment properties and stuff like that. But, you know, that that's great, but it wouldn't make me happy. You know, I finally, you know, realized that being Bruce Wayne, it definitely doesn't make me as happy as being Batman. And, you know, look, I'm not against becoming a billionaire. If it happens, it happens, but that's not my goal, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Get to roll the dice occasionally with the uh, mega millions or whatever. Yeah, New exactly. York has, so, which brings me to the point you are located in New York. How far out do you travel to help? So I used to travel a lot more often. Like I used to travel to Baltimore and Philly and other places. Um, I used to do it consistently. Um, and then I realized like the amount of time I'm spending traveling could be the time that I'm visiting other children. You know, if I'm driving to Baltimore, it's a four hour trip each way. You know, it's eight hours of travel time without traffic. Like that's a lot of time. Eight hours is a full day of visiting children. Um, so I tried to make it more efficient and I don't travel out too far anymore. Um, and now we have on the website for the organization, I have people that could go on and refer a smile. Um, so they could actually refer children that need a smile, um, or they could actually go on and, you know, ask to volunteer and be involved in stuff. So now we have volunteers in like Florida, California, Las Vegas, New York, New Jersey, and 
couple other locations um, just to truly make it more efficient because the goal is really to maximize as many children and families as we can. Um, and the only way to do that is to limit where and how you go um, to be able to enable us to visit as many as possible. That's fantastic. And so you have these volunteers who are going out and meanwhile, you must have a favorite car yourself. Um, yeah. So I like the Lamborghini Aventador is like the doors go upwards when you open it and it's a very loud car. So the kids love that. Just the design of it's very cool. Um, you know, that kind of looks like a makeshift Batmobile. So I'm not too comfortable long-term though. They're not made <laughs> for comfort. Um, in terms of like comfort and driving, like a lot of the older children, like the Rolls Royce, um, cause they're like super luxurious and comfortable and much more practical. When you get out, you don't feel like you need a chiropractor. It's like, you actually <laughs> feel like a normal human being, um, because like those are higher up. The other is like, you're literally on the ground. Oh, you know, it's wow. like my, my dad always used to say, it's like, look, I could get into your car, but I'm not going to be able to get out. He's like, now I know why it costs as much as a house, you know? It's like, yeah. I'm going to have to live in it. Um, but yeah, and, and then some of the luxury cars are great for some of the children because we visit children that do have wheelchairs or lots of medical equipment that can't necessarily fit into some of these sports cars. The so sports cars are super tight. Um, so now I have, you know, a combination of both um, to be able to accommodate for the children or if someone wants a sibling to come, it has more than two seats, which is important. My favorite type of car is the Austin Martin. Do you ever get a request for Austin Martins? We do sometimes the, the classic James Bond car. Yes, we do. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And what's the website? Uh, so it's smiles through cars.com. Um, and that was really because this whole mission started off by using these exotic cars to create the smiles for people. So I figured it was very appropriate just to call it smiles through cars. Um, even though the missions evolved since then, Right, like we've added in sick, underprivileged, even children that are being bullied, uh, special needs, and tons of other, you know, people battling illnesses and stuff like that. Um, so we've expanded from the initial goal mission of what we had, um, and it's going to continuously change because the more we're out there, the more demand there's going to be, and really everyone deserves to smile, and that's really it. So you know, my goal, my wish is that you know I wouldn't be needed to be there for the children and the families, and that. I'm just going out because they want an additional smile, not because they need some sort of, you know, light during times of despair. And that would be like my dream. If anyone asks like your dream, like, is that my nonprofit wouldn't need, wouldn't need to exist. And that we're just using the cars to go out there and just make people happier instead of going out. Like yesterday we went to uh, in West Hempstead, which is in Long Island near where I live. Uh, about a week ago, there was a shooting in a store. And someone walked in, he killed the manager and he shot a bunch of the other employees. And so yesterday we did a drive-by for the families that were there and the families came out and I had the person that passed away, his name was Ray. Um, so I had him come out, the parents come out and they went into the Ferrari and they were able to rev the engine and put the top down and they had, and I have videos of them, just the biggest smile on their face and seeing them going from crying about their son to, you know, finding that little glimpse of happiness during these times of despair, it's worth everything. Like just seeing that and letting them remember what happier times are, you know, that's kind of what it's about. It's these exotic cars help us do that. You know, when you pull up to a hospital and you see a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, the Bentley, the Aston Martin, you know, stuff like that, it really makes them happy. Just before I even get there, just pulling up, 
it makes them smile. And that's really the whole purpose of it. It's people say like, yeah, these cars are extremely expensive, but you know, if let's say I visit, let's say 5,000 children this year, you know, and I do that, it's the same car for the next four years. I visit 20,000 children with that one car. It's worth the money. You know, it's priceless because for each child just to have them smile. And unfortunately, a lot of them, it is their final wish. Like I went about a month and a half ago to a five-year-old child who's battling cancer and he was terminal and the hospital asked which the family, like, what's his final wish? And his wish was to go into an exotic car. Like you want to see a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, stuff like that. And I brought one there. Um, you know, I arranged with the family in the hospital to surprise him. And we made, his name was Hugo and we had Hugo's exotic car show. And I was there and they couldn't believe I brought the car and it was something, you know, the family couldn't fathom that. Like I was, I've never met them before. never heard of them. I brought it out. Um, but what they didn't know is that I arranged with a lot of my friends and volunteers to bring their exotic cars and they were hiding in the distance. And as the family was looking at mine, I called my friend, Eugene, who's the lead car. I said, Eugene, let's go. And we had 70, seven, zero exotic cars pull up and the family all for one child, 70, we had a total of like 71 and 70 something exotic cars uh, for this one child. And that's really like what it's about. It's, you know, bringing them happiness in that final moment. And unfortunately, that child did pass away. We had his funeral two weeks ago. Um, but, you know, we're really there to show support and love and just be there. And it's generally not a one and done, right? We don't visit just one time and move on. We actually create the relationship. So there are families that I've been visiting already for more than a decade. I've gone hundreds and hundreds of times to the same children because some of them, unfortunately, have such a rare and extensive conditions that they literally live in the hospital. Like one child has never been home in three years at all, ever. So, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing. And it's just about being there for them and letting the family know, like, you're not alone. And I think that's the most important part. There are studies that show that having even just a little bit of happiness or having happiness lifts the morale and actually can boost your in survival, I guess for lack of a better translation, but uh, that's amazing that you do that. I just want to ask you if there's anything else you want to say before we move on to the last segment where I ask you a couple of questions and they're kind of fun questions. Uh, sure. I would just give like one example of like what you were just talking about with, you know, creating that happiness and you never know what it could do. Um, so there was one child that we visited a couple of years ago, let's say about two to three years ago. Uh, she was about seven years old eight years old ballpark. Um, and she was diagnosed. She had stage four cancer and they, you know, said that she's terminal and they gave her a couple of weeks left to live. And mm -hmm. her final wishes was to get married, uh, graduate high school and become a police officer. Aww. And we, you know, I, I partnered with various police departments and we do a lot together with different agencies and stuff like that. And we were able to, you know, coordinate with the New York police department for her to come in and actually be sworn in as an honorary police officer mm -hmm. um, to the point that we made her our own uniform with her own badge and everything. And, you know, all that. Um, and they had the ceremony as if she's being sworn in. Um, they, we got her, her middle school and college diploma from the schools that she would have graduated from. And the principal gave it to her and we had a ceremony for her. Mm -hmm. um, and then we made a mock wedding for her as well, where she walked oh. down the aisle or we went down with the wheelchair and, you know, had her Prince Charming at the end of the aisle oh, um, cool. and had like a DJ and cake and food and just a little 
you know, ceremony for her to enjoy. Um, so we made those wishes come true. And that was about two to three years ago. Um, this past summer, so I guess almost a year ago, we're about to enter into summer. Um, so in 2020, during the summer, we made a pool party and we had a lot of the families come over and she actually came to the pool party and she's now a hundred percent cancer free. That's great. That's great. And you made all her dreams come true. So that's fantastic. Yeah. But it's really my team made her dream. I can't take credit for it because, you know, even though people see what I do on Instagram, um, it's really, you know, a team effort. You know, because there's so many people like one uh, Yesenia made the introduction to the family and she was the one that helped coordinate with, you know, a lot of what we did. So there's so many people behind the scene, the scenes. Um, and that's like what I'm doing. I say, look, I'm the founder and I started the mission. But now, mm-hmm. like, it's only so much greater because of the volunteers and the people that I have to help out, you know, because they make it even more special. And like I said, like, I don't go to too many areas anymore because of the efficiency of how we want to make it. Um, so I wouldn't be able to reach the people in California and Vegas and Florida and all these other areas without them. So mm-hmm. that's great. That's great. Um, it's amazing how you've over the course of 10 years expanded out the way that you have and taken advantage of other people that want to help too. And um, I just admire you so much for wanting to help the community and it's, almost easy to get sucked in once you see a child with cancer or any child suffering. I think it's in our natural, um, it's in our nature to just want to reach out and want to help. So that's amazing that you've done all this. So I have to move on to the next part and you kind of end on a um, interesting note because I think everything you do is so awesome and and happy. So, um, but we're still going to end on the the note that we usually do. So I ask you a couple of questions, just answer as quick as you can. You can explain a little bit or um, not. It's up to you. So if you had the option to um, read minds or tell the future, what would you choose? Hmm. Read minds or tell the future. I think I'd rather be want to know how to tell the future um, because then I would just know more about like what I should or shouldn't be doing and I can make the world a better place with certain things. Excellent. And my next question is what song describes your life right now the best? I would probably say it's that song from Despicable Me, it's called like, Because I'm Happy by, uh, what's his name, Pharrell Williams, I think. Because like, I just, I love that beat and I just try to be happy. Like, you know, I always say in life, like you can't control the cards that you're dealt. You can't control how you choose to play them. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of try to create my own happiness. That's an awesome pick. I love that song. And I'm trying not that. to dance while thinking of it. It's like impossible to say that song without hearing it playing in my head right now. So, yeah. I know. I know. Right. It, it, it's one of those ones. And if you um, wrote a book, uh, what would the title be and what would the description be? Um, so I would actually call it from darkness to light. And mm-hmm. it would just be like kind of a description about my life um, because I have had dark times in the past. You know, I, ha- I did have a younger sister um, that randomly got sick and passed away within seven days. Um, so she was sorry. perfectly healthy, no allergies, no medications, nothing of that sort. Um, and she caught a staph infection. Um, but because she was so young and healthy, the body was fighting it off. And it appeared as if she had a regular cold. 
Um, but by the doc, by the time the doctors realized what it was, it was already in all of her organs. And the only thing to do was to hope and pray. And unfortunately she did lose the battle um, and she passed away within seven days. So, you know, I remember kind of waking up and hearing the paramedics in my house being super confused and then seeing her taken away, like turning blue and then being in the coma and that whole week of just complete havoc in my life of not knowing what's going to happen. And just something that was just so sudden and something mm-hmm. that like you'd never think would ever happen. Um, and then also when I was younger, I was bullied when I was in school. Um, I was actually, like I said, I couldn't afford the exotic cars. And a lot of the children would make fun of me because I did grow up in a very wealthy area. Um, so because I wasn't wealthy and that's why I wanted to be a billionaire because I wanted to show the children that, you know, I was able to have more than they had. And that's, that's the original goal and a lot of other things that happened along the way. Um, but then kind of looking back, you realize that these dark times enabled me to become the person that I am today. Like without all that, like I wouldn't be Batman and I wouldn't be so, you know, empathetic and want to do so much in this mission if I didn't experience those things. So uh, that's why I would call it like from darkness to light, because that's really like what my life has been. Um, and I think that's the most important part is just to remember, like, sometimes when you're going through a dark time, like every tunnel at the end is going to have light at the end of it, you just need to get through it. And then when you do, you could kind of be the light for other people going through their own dark tunnels to help them get through it even quicker. And I think that's the most important part. And you know, the reason why we have our struggles is to, you know, realize how strong we are and to know like what we're capable of and how we could help other people going through it. And that's extremely important to keep in mind. So that would be my book. I definitely read it. So (laughs) I don't know. Start putting pen to paper. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, this was amazing. Thank you also. I'm glad we did it. And, you know, thank you to everyone for listening in to us. Thank you for tuning in to Living with Scanxiety. Please subscribe to hear more informative discussions like today's. Music is courtesy of Ryan Hamner. 